Welcome to the Time for the Good News podcast, the place where you'll hear nothing but good news. We are your hosts, Susan and Dan Granfield. Hi, and welcome to episode eight. So we're back again, Dan, aren't we? We are. Welcome to you all. Welcome back. Now, in this episode, we're doing something a little bit different than we've done in previous episodes. So we have one theme that goes through all of our stories. And that theme is plastic. Okay, now, I don't, want, yeah, no, don't want you to be turning off. Please stick with me. I, I know many of you were thinking, oh, my plastic. goodness, we're going to hear more about the amount of plastic in the world and how we shouldn't be using plastic. There's a lot of stories out there about that right now. And remember, this podcast is all about good news. So what we want to do is um, use the inspiration we got from an exhibition we went to at the weekend to present plastic in a different light. Okay, so stick with us. You will you will find stories here that you haven't heard anywhere else. That's the point of our podcast. Good news and stories you don't hear in the mainstream. Um, and maybe you'll see plastic in a different light like we have. So, Dan, do you want to say a bit about the uh, exhibition? Yeah, sure. So the exhibition was at um, the V&A in Dundee, a fantastic museum. It's only been around for a couple of years, isn't it? Mm. Um, and there was some amazing things that I've, I've learned that I've kind of missed but then I've never studied the history of plastic so yeah. I'm not sure I would but it started with why uh, synthetic materials and things like that were being were being used and actually it was to prevent the overuse of ivory mm. and materials taken and from rubber. the natural world mm. and rubber yeah which is amazing isn't it mm. shellac as well mm. so plastic was actually its first use was to prevent what we now associated with it degrading Mm. Um, which I didn't realise. Yeah. I also, and I, I put my hand up if this was an obvious thing, I did not realise that plastic was produced using fossil fuels. No. I don't know how I thought it was produced, mm. but it was a naphtha, mm-hmm. which comes from crude oil. Yeah. It's not uh, just the production oil, yeah. it's where it actually comes from, yeah. the chemical makeup. So fossil fuels yeah. is used yeah. in the production of plastic. Yeah. So reducing plastic reduces fossil fuels again. Yeah, yeah crazy stuff i know i know so we were a bit kind of like oh my goodness right we really didn't know much about Mm. this what i took away from the exhibition which i really loved was it was presented as plastic is neither good nor bad Mm. Mm. it's what human beings do with it and what we've done with it historically but what that also means is what we do from here on can can reverse can change can influence um what what impact plastic has on the world because it's not plastic's fault no, of course not. It's, not no. it's, just, it's various different materials as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We wear it, yeah. actually, as well. So what we want to present here is some of the stories we've discovered at that exhibition and since about plastic. Um, and I'm really presenting a sense of what could be the future for plastic. Um, and thinking about the big stuff that's going on in the world, but also thinking, right, what does that mean for us as, uh, as, you know, as individual humans? I think the other thing, which is hopefully hopefully why people are listening to this podcast, is human beings have a natural curiosity and a desire to want to see what's possible. So if we can bring that thinking to plastic and its role and and purpose and the place it has in our lives now and in the future, that's fantastic. We can bring that mindset. So that's really what we want to do in this episode. So fingers crossed that we still have some listeners at the end of it. But but stick with us. Um, and Dan, you're going to kick off with the first story. Well, the first one's a kind of a, it was a scene setter to to the to the scale of what of what we need to achieve. So it's a good news story because it's a global 
treaty, a global agreement. So in March of this year, 175 nations met and agreed to start the creation of the world's first ever global treaty to reduce plastic pollution. Mm. So I think there's 180 countries in the world or, you know, so it's not far off mm -hmm. every one of them. It probably doesn't include North Korea and various states like that. But this initiative addresses the full lifestyle of plastic, manufacture to disposal and include solutions to stop the production of plastic at its source. So the treaty was adopted at the United Nations Environment Programme, UNEP. Yeah, so right. it's a UNEP, the United Nations mm -hmm. thing. Uh, and they worked around three key facts. A truckload of plastic is dumped into the sea every minute uh, wow. and is set to increase 40% in the next decade. It's still increasing. Mm -hmm. Single-use plastics are already illegal, partially banned or taxed in some parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Kenya has the strictest laws. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It was Peru and Rwanda that proposed this, interestingly. So not, not the USA, okay. not the UK, not, mm. you know, not the, the big European countries, Germany, France. It was Peru and Rwanda. That's the countries most affected exactly by that. climate change. Exactly that. And it's more, mainly based on the Paris Climate Agreement. You remember the COPs, COP27, mm. you know, we had one in Glasgow as well, of course. So originally it had the support of 27 countries, would have been the, the COP ones, but it's mm. now been adopted by 175. So and it ranges from the extraction of fossil fuels. Now, I read that. If I'd read that a few weeks ago, I'd have been, what's that got to do with it? And now it's clear because mm -hmm. it's used in the production. Design and production of plastic, consumption and associated waste management of plastic as well. So it's a whole far-reaching thing. Mm -hmm. So the overall goal is the move to circular economies, mm -hmm. yeah, which you're, you're probably going to mention at mm -hmm. some point, aren't you? And prioritise reusable materials, and minimize waste yeah one of the biggest parts of it is it's pushing a legal framework to make these things in law right so it becomes enforceable mm -hmm. instead of just being we'll do this a proposal things like that so it's trying to get a legal framework in place mm -hmm. to really you know close close the problem off basically mm. so um you know it's it's quite an interesting global agreement that's what i like i like the idea of everybody being on board with it um another nice part of it is what started out as what is called justice orientated funding so developed countries funding developing countries to help them in the battle against plastic yeah, as well. yeah. that i think is really key yeah. You know, it's really key is that collaboration and that support and that help. Yes. Um, you know, it, it, there can be, there's too much divide very often. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 I think that's great. Yeah. We need to help countries mm. that can't afford technology or can't afford the, you know, the, the means to, to deal with a problem that quite often ends up on their doorstep because yeah. someone's looking for cheap ways to dump. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that was definitely something that came through in the exhibition is just, how consumerism and the rise of mass production has, has kind of got us to where we are. Yeah. Um, but there are so many great things happening. Yes, the, the sort of at the government level and, and as you see, you know, from a legal point of view, um, but also as, as for, um, our regular listeners will know, I, I love to look at the sort of human side of things. What, what are people doing at a grassroots level? And um, came across um, a Chilean social enterprise which was funded in 20, uh, sorry, founded in 2012 called Algramo, which means per gram, so like buying yeah. per gram. And what it is, is 
So it's a guy who developed this when he was a student and was, as, as anyone who's been a student will be able to relate to, was struggling to have enough money to buy what he needed to buy. And he found that he couldn't benefit from the bulk buying things, which is the cheapest way to do it, because A, he couldn't afford the initial outlay and B, couldn't store it. So he developed these this um, um, sort of dispenser system whereby people can go and refill to get just the amount that they need in refillable bottles of things like detergent, you know, so, you know everyday household stuff. So he set this up in, in Chile. Um, and so he had these dispensers in local convenience stores. There's now mobile units. So what, what you can do is you go onto an app, you pay for it on your app, and then either an electric tricycle comes to your door and you fill it up, or you go to a convenience store and you fill up your, your bottles. The whole, the whole part, the whole aim for him was about embedding um, uh, plastic use in the circular system. Yeah, yeah, okay. So this, I think, is the key theme that I'm, I'm seeing, um, and many of you, will, our listeners, will be familiar with this, the idea of a circular economy. So it's not about we need to stop things and demonise things. It's like, how can we just create a better system? So the, I came, the driver for him was how can he make the, the financial benefit of bulk buying um, accessible to people who, for whom that wasn't realistic. Mm. So you can go and get just the amount you need in these reusable um, uh, containers. And the interesting thing, he's now working with, his company's now working with Unilever and Nestle to develop RFID chips. Oh, yeah, didn't okay. know what that was, yeah. but a radio frequency identification chip. Yeah. So what it enables smart packaging. Yeah. So they can actually start to measure how often a piece of you know a pack piece of packaging is is reused. Yeah. Then the consumer can get cash incentives to keep reusing it. Plus it just helps them to see what's going yeah, on in the okay. circular economy. So um, I love it. So it started off in Chile. It's now in four countries around the world, including the UK. And in the UK. Um, the residents of Kings Winford in Dudley, in the oh, West Midlands, you can go and access an old Grammel um, uh, dis dispenser. Oh, really? Yeah. So cool. There you go. So I just, I, you know, I, I love that. That's somebody going, here's a problem, right? What can I, can I do about it? And really thinking about um, not just let's not use plastic, but let's use it in a way that is, mm. is sustainable. Yeah. More sustainable. Yeah. Great stuff. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I came across one that it's, you know, it's a, it's a good story. So British waste plastic company called Muckariba, sounds a bit like Ian Rankin novel, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. has, has worked with the New York City Department of Transportation, or NYDOT. They're based in Lockerbie. They're based in? Lockerbie, Muckariba are based in Lockerbie. In Scotland. Yeah, and, okay. they're, and they're helping out the New York City in Department New of Transportation okay. to lay the first public roads in New York using waste plastic. Right. So Rice Avenue and Royal Oak Road in Staten Island um, form the first stage of a trial that sees otherwise unrecyclable plastics re-engineered into what McReba calls new high-quality sustainable polymer. Ah, right. Yeah. Because plastic is a chain of a chain polymer. polymers, yes. which we learned. We discovered again, that. Didn't we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the new surfaces have saved over 7,331 kilos of CO2. Wow. In comparison to traditional asphalt, and diverted the equivalent uh, weight of 214,534 single used plastic bottles from landfill. Mm, so, taken from landfill. And they're only small bits of road, mm. not particularly big. 
Um, so taking place over four days, McGreeber and New York Department of Transportation have worked with a company called City Asphalt to lay four different types of mix with a percentage of McGreeber's waste plastic additive, which replaces part of the bitumen binder. And okay. bitumen is from crude oil. Yeah. yeah. So these trial sections will now be tested and monitored to measure performance against traditional asphalt by Dr. Thomas Bennett mm-hmm. um, at Rutgers University. And the results are expected before the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. So Dr. Thomas, I had to look him up. Mm-hmm. You know, fascinated by is he, a he is an asphalt boffin. An asphalt boffin. He's the associate di- uh, research professor at the Center for Advanced Infrastructure and Transportation, mm-hmm. and he is a world expert on asphalt. There you go. Um, so you know, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's an, uh, you know about roads, and road building, and it, there was other quotes about repairing potholes and all sorts of things with this stuff. Mm-hmm. So. In, in my view, if it's stable and it provides, you know, a, a good solution to, to road building, we could use billions of tons mm-hmm. of plastic already in the system. That already exists. That already exists. That's the key thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that, that's the important bit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it shows you the flexibility and the multiple uses of plastic. Which is partly why we've got to the place that we're in, because yeah. it... It's providing, I mean, in that exhibition, you saw all manner of things that yeah. were made from plastic. And so that's why it's, it's an amazing material. Mm, mm, mm. But we now know the downside of it, yeah. produced in the, in the amount, yes. you know, the, the capacity. And some of the single-use plastic carry bags, things like that, yeah. they're particularly yeah. negative, aren't they? Yeah, so. yeah. Well, connected to that, my, my next story um, is about, and again, the thing I found about some of these um, stories that we, we read about in the exhibition and you know the um, exhibits that we saw is that there's kind of multi layers in some of these good news stories so um, you know, it's not just about reducing plastic or reusing it often there's many layers so this one is about the new Nike trainers oh yes we saw okay. the Nike trainers didn't yeah. we in the exhibition yeah, yeah. really quite cool I quite yeah. like the look of them um, the, the thing about this on the face of it this Nike trainer is the reason it's it's there that they're exhibiting it and I'm talking about it is because it can be taken apart and recycled. Into three pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. So that's one layer, and there's another layer to that that I'll come back to in a minute. But the first layer of it can be taken apart and recycled. If you think about it, and I didn't realize, but until I read it, I was like, oh, of course, trainers um are are held together, bonded together. That's what kind mm. of creates this, the mm. flexibility that but the, the sturdiness of them. Um, and so as a result, they um, are not easy to get rid of. So what, what tends to happen is um, they tend to be um, go through a very um, energy intensive process of shredding, yeah. um, which you know, is not, not great. So very energy intensive, not great for CO2 emissions, etc. These new ones, the bits are held together by pegs so they can be taken apart. Each part, each constituent part is made some of it is made from 100% recyclable, uh, recycled material, and others it's a percentage of recycled. But they can all be recycled once the trainer has, you know, reached the end of its life because it can be taken away. 
taken apart easily. Well, if you remember, there was a deconstructed traditional trainer, mm -hmm. which was about a hundred parts of different types of plastic and yeah. bits, wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, and it was the it was interesting. It was the the footbed, mm -hmm. the thing your foot sits in, mm -hmm. and it was just three pieces. Yeah. Whereas the deconstructed one was maybe a hundred. Yeah. A hundred pieces, wasn't it? It was incredible, really. And the point being to get into those hundred parts is actually virtually impossible yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. So the other so the other layer of this story is, yeah, great from recycled material can be recycled more easily. Um, is it's built around the design principle of disassembly. So it's about taking things apart. Mm -hmm. um, but the assembly part, it takes eight minutes to assemble wow. these trainers, yeah. which is considerably less than it takes to create a traditional, traditional trainer. Um, so you know, it reduces the amount of energy. Um, the heating, the cooling, the conveyor belts, all of those are producing energy. So, you know, I love that. that it's not just the product and, and, yeah. and it's good, but it's the way the product is made, which is the other important yeah. part of a... Well, it's a pretty amazing looking thing, I seem to remember. I mean, it, 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 it's maybe a bit avant-garde for me. It looked like one of those Balenciaga trainers, you know, it's quite a... It's quite colourful, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and the three bits when it was put together. Mm. But I can see in, in muted colours, it, it would have been a very comfortable shoe. And they're producing it in muted yeah. colours to represent the kind of environmental and it looked cool. element to it. I mean, yeah. it looked pretty cool. It didn't look like something that had just been, you know, it, it had a real kind of fashion about it. Yeah. And you could see the three pieces were just like bits of fabric, really, yeah. if you folded them out. Yeah. You know, it's pretty amazing. And I mean, they've done a lot of, it, 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 this is partly driven by athletes saying, mm. look, we need we need things like these trainers, mm. but we want to be, you know, choosing more sustainably. So they've undergone gone a lot of tests and it's they're held together through tension. So rather than bond, chemical bonding, the bits are held together through tension. I mean, it's, it's a bit <laughs> mind-blowing. I really like the name of them. So Nike, ISPA, I don't know if you'd say, ISPA, Axis, um, so sorry, Link and Link Axis trainers. The ISPA stands really for... Off the tongue, it doesn't, no, I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll need to practice it's like that. Like the link axis. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the, the ISPA bit I think fits in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, but let yeah. me tell you, this is the bit. <laughs> let me tell you what it means. So the ISPA bit is improvise, scavenge, protect, and adapt. Oh, wow, that's cool. I didn't see that bit. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So that's cool. So, yes, let, let's. The Nike Link Axis Trainer. Yeah, that's a bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you'd be happier that I got that right. But I love that. Improvise, scavenge, protect, and adapt. Yeah, scavenge, yeah. especially scavenge. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, but you just yeah. So we've heard of reuse and yeah. remake yeah. and repair, but you know, I, I just love that. So yeah, I guess that's another story where you know potentially big corporates like Nike, we mm. can demonize them and can you can really put things in such a bad light. But there's always another angle, and that's mm. really what we wanted to present here is mm. is another angle on plastic because it's a part of our lives it is it's a call out to to boffins everywhere isn't it to there's so much plastic out there you know come up with those ideas to reuse what's already in the system mm -hmm. prevent or reduce heavily the production of new yeah. plastics start using what we've already produced yeah, yeah. and that will that will actually start to solve the issue yeah and it starts to change mindsets yeah. which is the other key part the the last story that i want to just and I, i'm sure i'll pick up on this story again um but I, I want to just put it out there um, because there may be people listening thinking, right, okay, yeah, I, I really want to do more than just recycle my own plastic mm -hmm. or not buy so much single use. So there's an organisation called Precious Plastic um, created by Dave Hackins in 2012. Um, and 
this is an opportunity. I mean, there's so many elements to this that it's difficult to fit it all in a short space of time. But what he did when he was a student was he started to develop the technology um, to develop machines um, and his understanding of design, he was a design student, to bring all of that together to say, right, how can we, as we've just talked about, take some of the plastic that's in the world and do something good with them. Mm-hmm. So if you go onto the Precious Plastic website, you'll see what, what's called the Precious Plastic Universe. Now, I just love that it's called Precious Plastic because you most people wouldn't put those two. Precious, yeah. yeah. But what he says is, there's a little video, and he says, plastic isn't waste, it's precious material. Wow. That's a complete mindset. Resource, it's a resource mindset, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what he says, we've got all the solutions we need to tackle the plastic problem. And if they all come together, then then we'll make a difference. So he said the people, um, the machines, the knowledge and the techniques. And so the organisation he's created, and which he he originally has created as open source. So he's created the design and the technology, but other people can go and take it, build their own machines, do their own stuff with it. So... When um, yes, what he's offering is this open source platform where people can set up their own collection points in their communities. You can buy machines at all levels from, you know, very cheap, relatively cheap to very expensive. There's an online bazaar where people can um, sell products that they've made from reused plastic, all sorts of international collaborations going on. Um, So it's very much about creating a community um, uh, uh, of people who are in this sort of world of trying to, um, you know, rethink plastic. Well, so that sounds in Congress as well, community based around plastic, yeah. isn't it? But that's what, it's, it's a very positive thing and it's probably what needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the reason that I'm really excited about this is that the charity, the local charity that I'm a trustee of called Remake, based in Creef in, in Scotland, um, we're becoming part of this. So we, we're getting one of these machines and at the exhibition we saw a guy using it. He was making what, stools? And... Seats for stools yeah. and knife handles. And... Yeah, yeah, all sorts of stuff. But when you look at what other people are producing, you know, there's jewellery and yeah. there's um, all sorts of types of furniture. And Floor coverings. The tiles coverings. are amazing quality. The plastic yeah. made from reused re- yeah. plastic. Yeah, it's just amazing. So that's going to feature on our um, our website because I love that story and there's a really great little video so um, you know, if you want to mo- know more about that look at our Time for the Good News website um, but I guess we want to just kind of wrap up just saying hopefully you're still listening and you've not switched off um, and that you've been as inspired as we have about the possibilities and the potential and not just hearing more and more stories about how bad things are in the world of plastic. Yeah, I think we've created this material mm-hmm. and what we just need to do is reuse it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, like the natural world, material is created and we, we reuse it. We use wood all the time. We reuse all sorts of things, but yeah. we just need to reuse it. Yeah. And the clever, you know, the clever people out there are going to devise more and more ways of reusing what's, what already exists. And that's what excites me. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, people like Dave who set up Precious Plastic, you know it's very much about on their website they've got starter packs so you can go and buy a box of stuff to start your own collection point in your local community or club together and and create you can create your own business you could become someone who is part of the circular economy Mm -hmm. by doing this so yeah I feel really inspired and I I, I finish with this quote plastic isn't waste it's precious material it's there how can we use it in a way Mm -hmm. that works so Yeah, there we go. Good stuff. 
Fantastic. And, and you should get down to the exhibition if you get a chance. Really good. Yeah, and I really think I think it's been touring other parts of the world as well. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, if you're in Scotland, get to Dundee, the, the V&A Museum. Um, it's, it's brilliant. So thank you for listening. We'll be back again with more good news stories um, next month. But that's well, all for now. We hope you've enjoyed this plastic edition. <laughs> we so do. Time for the good news. Yeah. Bye for now. Bye for now.